Support for Class Dismissed comes from School Status. School Status helps educators at every level take control of student data for increased outcomes and meaningful stakeholder engagement. Find out more at schoolstatus.com. You are listening to Class Dismissed, episode 146, and I'm your host, Nick Ortigo. This week, as we adjust to the new way of life with COVID-19, we ask, what will school look like in the fall of 2020? Stay with us. Class Dismissed is the podcast that inspires educators through story. Each week, we cover some of the hottest topics and news in the world of education. Plus, we hear from a guest with a bright idea for education that you can apply in your community. This week, we have some tips on how to jazz up the quality of your virtual classroom. Hello, everybody. Nick Ortigo here. Today is March 10th, Good Friday. We are headed into the Easter weekend, and I'm joined by our favorite principal, Christina Pollard. Christina, thank you for checking in with us today. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. And, you know, we we wrapped up another week of, I guess you call it remote school. Um, and how did it go this week? Are things running smoother or did they come off the rails? Where are we? Things continue to run smooth, but we've had some, some new developments with um, making decisions on how we were going to modify meal delivery with the shelter-in-place order coming down from the governor. Um, we've, we've made some changes. We are now only providing meals once a week. Mm-hmm. So this past Wednesday, there was a shift for us in that we were packing, preparing, and delivering five breakfasts and five lunches to children and we will not deliver again until next Wednesday. So that made it a little bit different. It was, you know, much more to prepare and and deliver. But but fewer contacts, I guess, with the public is kind of the end goal there, right? Well, that's the intent, but the number of people that we needed to prepare it is also, you know, a concern. Right. And there were a number of drivers and or other um, staffers that decided this was too dangerous for them and they elected not to assist. Well, and I understand that. And, and kudos to your district for even continuing with it because I, I think the district that I'm located in, um, I think I saw on their Facebook page that they have suspended the meals um, after the shelter in place order came from the governor. Several school districts surrounding us have um, discontinued their services, but in the governor's executive order, um, providing meals for students was considered essential. So it's a local decision and our school district decided to continue. I saw um, some interesting, uh, I guess you can call them sound bites from Dr. Fauci. Um, about the fall as we kind of are starting to, I don't want to say wrap up this year. We still have several weeks to go. Um, but he's saying that he believes that school will be able to reopen in the fall. And I know some people might be thinking, of course it will, but it's not necessarily a given. Well, like, what it's uh, look like. a week or two ago, it didn't seem likely. I think more and more states actually, you know, pushing the shelter in place and people understanding that we are in control of the spread of this virus. If we truly follow the shelter in place, um, what we're looking to see are our numbers of um, new cases as well as fatalities begin to level off and then decrease. And so that makes, you know, Dr. Fauci very uh, hopeful about the fall. Right. And that's basically what his comment says. He was saying, uh, and I'm paraphrasing that, you know, as the curve starts to go down, mm-hmm. it looks like we should be able to, to get back. But he says it probably will impact things like summer camps. So I know like if there's somebody who, you know, does summer camps on the side or whatever, it looks like that's 
probably not going to happen in a lot of areas. Right. Even our school systems provide um, summer enrichment programs a lot of times for primary children, kindergarten through third grade. And I don't see that as being an option this summer either. And it really all comes down to testing. We had a good conversation with Russ Davis about this a few weeks back where he was saying, you know, if if they can test everyone quickly um, and then trace contact, like that's probably what school is going to look like around the country to where um, next fall, you know, you send the kids to school. But if somebody starts to feel a little ill, they quickly test, they quickly get results and they quickly test all the people that that person came in contact with, then we can probably get back to a, a safer way of returning to school. But if we don't have that testing in place, I don't know how we do it. When we're talking about testing in place so that we can get school going in the fall, I just really wish we could improve our testing process right now. Oh, yeah, there's no doubt. In fact, I did see another interesting story this morning, and it wasn't necessarily education related, but it was talking about this antibodies test that um, should be coming out soon, where basically anybody can go to their doctor and you take the antibodies test, and it says you probably had COVID-19 before because you already have built up these antibodies to fight it. And the, the headline was basically like, we want that to be a high number of people. We want that to be a surprise because that means that more people might be immune to it. And I know that's not a guarantee at this point, but it's almost like we want people to have been infected and not have known it and will actually be in a better place. If that number is really low, if only, you know, three, four or 5% of the population has been exposed to it, then we still have a long ways to go here. Well, that's, that's hopeful um, in, in, in thinking about myself, you know, being an essential worker, not as essential as a doctor or nurse, but being required to come into school every day, right. and being around other colleagues, preparing food, delivering food, which means I'm within a foot of a child just, you know, trying to pass them a meal. Um, I, I, I lie awake at night, to be honest with you, thinking about Lord, I hope I'm not exposing my husband or my son, and I don't have any symptoms. I'm just so grateful, but that does not mean I'm not a carrier. And so I, I, I worry about that. And so I do hope that there is a way for us to determine if we have those antibodies, if we've carried it and it didn't impact us, but now we're building up, you know, some type of resistance to it. Um, so that that makes me hopeful. Uh, I'm going to talk a little personal, and you feel free to share your personal experience here. We both have kids that are in college. And um, early on, when all this started happening, my my college um, son, he wanted to, you know, be with his friends. And I said, look, I was like, if you and your three friends that you all, you know, stay with in an apartment want to stay together through the entire event here, that's fine. But you need to make that decision now. If you want to come and be in my place, you need to make that decision now. And he chose to, to stay with his friends. It's just them. They don't expose themselves to anybody else other than the people that they live with. That's but, good. No, no visitors. Now. Right. No visitors. They don't they don't go anywhere. Then they'll go to the grocery store just like any other person would. And, and that's about it. Um, but that was a, it's a tough time for me. Like yesterday, he he texted me or called me and he, he said, um, hey, do, do you have a spare Xbox remote? No, I do. And so he came over to get it. And it's weird seeing your son, who is your your blood. And mm-hmm. I, I literally set the Xbox remote on the ground. That's and, correct. And then I walk away and, you know, we, we want to interact with him because he's family. You want to give him a hug and it's hard because you can't. And, and it's it's so weird to to have to, to interact with somebody who's family that way. But it's, it's the right and the safe thing to do. I mean, have you had any experience like that? We're actually in the exact same situation. So our son actually graduated from college um, in December. 
and he accepted a job in the state of Texas. He he moved in January, um, was working for a couple of months. He would come home every two weeks. And then um, the last time he came home, is when we really started the discussion about COVID-19 in, in America and he went on back to work. Well, he was there two days and his job shut down and sent everyone home. Wow. So he came back from Texas. He came, you know, home. And then he said, well, I've got to find a job here. He brought all these things back from Texas because he doesn't know how long it will be before he can go back. And so he went and he visited some family members looking for a job, found a job. He didn't come home that night. <laughs> the next day he called and my husband said, stay where you are. Right. <laughs> and he said, son, you can't go from, you know, house to house. You can't, you got to make a decision on where you're going to be and you got to stay there. And when he really understood the severity of the situation, he has stayed um, two counties over with some other relatives and he has not been back here. And sh- we sure do miss him. It feels like he's still in Texas, but right. he's only 45 minutes away. Yeah. And so that's how it is for me. And, and you were right. Like now that we've kind of gone along. Like it's a little bit more acceptable. Everyone seems to be on the same page with those type of measures. Um, But early on when it was March, I think it was 13th, 14th, 15th. And I'm telling my kids, you know, even my, my teenage son who's in high school, you can't go you know, hang out at your friend's house. Like that was, it was very upsetting for the younger. It was upsetting for them. And and their parents that he wanted to go to's house wasn't on the same page as me. I was way more strict about it. Um, But I feel like now it's a little easier. It's funny that we're in the same boat that my son had friends calling and saying, Hey, come over. We're all hanging out in such and such uh, subdivision. And I just said, son, I, that's dangerous. Yeah. It was tough being the heavy on that one, but I'm glad I made those decisions early on. It gave me a safer feeling um, for right. our family. Back to education. Uh, I was, I'm kind of tracking what states are doing and stuff and talking about going back in the fall. I see Hawaii. Um, now, it is an island. They're, they're a little bit more isolated than the rest of us, but they say the State Department of Education is not planning to reopen school campuses in Hawaii until four weeks pass without any new reported cases of coronavirus. That's according to a memo that was distributed to educators this week. I think that's a great decision, and I think other states need to um, listen to that and think about that. Now, there are other states in our country, I want to say Georgia, Alabama, Virginia, Pennsylvania, who really weeks ago made the decision to say schools were closed for the remainder of the year as they are truly trying to slow down or what they say flatten the curve. And here in Mississippi, we're waiting um, until Tuesday to hear from our governor on decisions on what we're going to do regarding school. And I have to tell you, I just don't see us going back to school. I don't see us going back either. And I think we're the last in the nation to to actually, you know, make a decision (laughs) on what we're going to do. Um, it, it, I guess it doesn't really matter, but it would be nice. I mean, what do you think as an educator? It'd be nice to know what the future holds, right? Rather than just saying, we'll wait until mid-April or late April. Obviously, that, that would be, you know, um, best case scenario. But I have to tell you again, just like I said last week, let me shout out to educators, not just across the nation, but especially in the state of Mississippi. We're not sitting around and waiting for politicians to make their decisions. We have been preparing and making sure we have our plan A's and our plan B's um, in place to support children um, through the end of May if necessary. And so, you know, while we're waiting for an ultimate decision, 
decision, we're not just sitting and twiddling our thumbs. I mean, this virtual learning is taking much more out of teachers and administrators than ever before Mm -hmm. because it's new. We're not skilled at it. Um, You know, we're trying to figure out how to serve students who uh, struggle with reading, students with disabilities. There's just so many um, indicators that we have to consider in trying to provide uh, remote or, you know, distance learning. And so we are already prepared as we're you know, looking at weeks four and five on what type of instruction we're going to provide for the students within our school district. So um, the decision that will be made on Tuesday, if he tells us we're out for the remainder of the year, we are prepared, I should say, mm-hmm. um, for that to, to make sure children still have something um, to do academically. Um, of course, I'd have to wait for a decision to be made on what we'll do with meals if we'll just, you know, continue to the end. And then those districts who have shut down, I think their purpose in doing that was either someone has gotten sick and they're trying to protect um, the situation or they just want to see if they can help flatten the curve by, you know, sending all employees home. And perhaps after that decision is revealed on Tuesday, they'll make a decision on if, when, or how they will serve the students in their district. Will the school year end earlier? Can it end earlier? And I say that because there's really no testing week. There's no spirit week. There's a lot of these extras that aren't, I guess, required at this point. So will we see things wrap up at the beginning of May rather than the middle or late May? That's difficult to answer. What what I know for sure is that we are required to provide 187 days of instruction. Mm -hmm. And if that is the requirement, then I don't see why we would shorten it. But how do you quantify 187 days of instruction at this point, I guess, is the what I'm saying. Of days, because you're, the, the virtual classwork that you're providing, um, we're doing it by days. So, mm-hmm. for instance, this past Wednesday when we did meal delivery, we did week three of instruction. Week three includes five days worth of work per subject. Okay. And we're tracking it, um, but, you know, and looking at it that way. So... Um, we're prepared to provide them with support all the way to what would be our last school day is May 22nd. Um, Academically, how did the week look for you? Are you seeing things continue to run smoothly? Are you seeing any new ideas come out from all of this? Um, I I won't necessarily say I've seen new ideas. I think that everyone is refining their practices and feeling a bit more comfortable. Um, One of the things that I noticed is that when I requested our team to go ahead and submit um, the next week's lessons, they are working so diligently now that they're able to produce two weeks worth of work. Even though we're not sending it home, it's already prepared and in my office waiting for the next week. So we're seeing that happen across our district as teachers are getting much more comfortable. Um, One of the things that we've identified, I should say, many educators, is that there's some type of security breach with one of the platforms that we were using. Um, And so just making tweaks to that and identifying that Google Classroom has provided a button for Google Meets. And so as long as teachers can figure out how to use that, it's much safer than using Zoom. Right. Yeah, I know. Uh, I think it's New York City actually asked all schools to not use Zoom after. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't want to vilify Zoom. I think, you know, they probably... No, because probably, we're still using it for our staff meetings, for our administrator meetings. We're just worried about FERPA and protecting children. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, I guess the standard's a little different there. Could it be that, and Russ brought this up, it come the fall or the winter of next year, when there's a snow day or a tornado day or a hurricane day, that... 
you really don't have to lose a day of education. Do you see districts putting these practices in place and becoming so nimble that instead of saying, you know what, there's snow coming, we're not going to go to school, they're going to say, you know what, there's snow coming, we're going to continue education remotely. We're going to put our remote plan in place for the day to where essentially there is no snow days. Believe it or not, Nick, that's already happening. Um, if, if, if you, these are just things I also identified on Twitter or some of the other, um, educational groups that I belong to, um, before this, this season even happened, a lot of those states that deal with severe winter weather, Mm -hmm. um, they were already using that practice of providing some type of virtual learning for students when one, two, three, four days of snow days were happening to them. So what I see is, um, progressive school districts, forward-thinking school districts will remember this situation and put some things in place for those days um, instead of requiring, you know, another day to, 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 to make up. Um, being a, a bit more proactive about paying attention to um, upcoming weather and being prepared for that. But I also see districts who, this is how we've always done it, stuck right. in that mode and they're not going to make a change. I think it would be a good thing if we got to where, you know, you could flip a switch and say, we're learning remotely and not have to lose all those days. Or maybe even if, like you said, if you're on a multi-day weather event, maybe the first day, no mm-hmm. no learning, but by day two, three, and four, like that plan's in place and, and so forth. So mm-hmm. um, it, I think it's a good thing. Hey, well, uh, again, we appreciate you taking the time to chat with us. We know you're super busy and, and taking on everything. And again, we still need to talk about you uh, switching districts, but I don't want to, I want to stay on topic with the coronavirus for a few more weeks, but uh, and that's fine. I'm super excited. Can't wait to share about it. Awesome. Very good, Christina. Are you ready for the uh, bright idea? Always. Our guest in today's bright idea segment has created a set of videos specifically for teachers to give them tips on how to teach an online course during this time with COVID-19. Now that means how do you set up a camera? Why would you properly light the shot and how to prevent zoom bombing? David Lawrence is an actor and voice talent and he created the voice acting website voheroes.com. David, welcome to Class Dismissed. Thank you, Nick. I appreciate it. What made you decide that you needed to, to make a set of videos specifically for teachers? Because that's normally not your, your target audience, right? No, I, I coach uh, professional actors and voice talent on on-camera presence and, you know, voiceover work. I That's what I do when I'm not being a creepy evil villain on your, on your <laughs> television or in your theater. Right. Um, but here's what happened. I watched this whole huge disaster unfold. And it was just a matter of time before schools were closing and teachers and the students were being sent home. And um, more than one of them in my family and among my friends mentioned that pretty much the day after they closed the schools, they got like a terse little note from their principal or their administration saying, hey, while you're home, keep teaching your classes. Don't stop doing that. You know, uh, you know how to use that, that, that Facebook live thing. What is it? What is it, Mildred? YouTube? What are they using? You know, like it just felt very dismissive and assuming that because video is so pervasive in our society and everybody has a cell phone, well, you're, typical algebra teacher sure knows how to work from home, right? And and do video. And the truth of the matter is that, yeah, there are a lot of teachers who do know uh, more than passing information about long distance and, and distance delivery of classes, but far more than do don't. 
and they're kind of left adrift and a little angry about it because they're already sad about what's going on and they're already disappointed and they already miss their students. And now this gets leaped on them. And, you know, our homes are not designed to be successful classrooms. They're designed to cook food and to sleep and to watch television and to do laundry. The laundry room is is designed for laundry success, right. not for classroom success. And so a lot of teachers don't even know where to start. Where do I put my space? What, what do I use? What camera do I use? What microphone do I use? And I realize that I have uh, the skill set to show them how to do it because I've been teaching online for over a decade, first on GoToWebinar and then on Zoom when it came up. Uh, my clients are all around the world and it's the only way I can teach. I do do live classes here in LA, but we've been we've been social distancing and, and sheltering in place for a long, long time. Yeah, and, and you, you piqued my interest at the beginning. You mentioned when you're not a, a villain uh, on a movie or a TV show that we may know, can you just like just drop uh, some someone who you've been or in a show that you've been that we might recognize? Sure. Most people know me from uh, the NBC, BBC show called Heroes, where I played the puppet master who was, you know, really, really creepy. Right. Um, but uh, I've, I've done all kinds of shows, uh, comedy, drama, sci-fi, that sort of thing. Yeah. But that's that's the role that I'm most known for. And so on some social networks, um, you know, I'll put my little cut line as being a creepy evil villain uh, operating out of my evil lair, <laughs> which I guess is your home. Sometimes is is your well, it's my lair. studio, right? You know, if we were doing if we were doing video, you'd see just how awesome my lair is. That's cool. That's cool. Now, so a lot of people don't realize we're talking to educators here that video and audio is hard to pull off. In fact, I think if you even look at the best YouTubers in the world today, if you go and look at their first videos, they were probably pretty awful because they didn't know what they were doing at the time. So is that kind of your goal to kind of leap these educators forward a little bit and, and teach them, you know, all right, can you do this with a phone? And, or should I use a, my DSLR camera? It's a really interesting vector on that. Yes, uh, it's about teaching them what to do with what they have. Uh, what I what I was warned about in the very beginning when I started this off by by somebody who knows a lot more about education than I do. I mean, I feel like I I am I, I have natural abilities to teach. I've never been formally trained at it. I'm certainly not certificated. Um, and but I do know people who are uber experts at it. One of them is a friend of mine who. Uh, is a professor at Berkeley and is so adept at doing um, at, at doing uh, training of teachers. And she said, you know, you got to be careful. You don't want to turn this into another way of exacerbating the digital divide. You don't want to make teachers feel bad that they don't have a $1,500 DSLR that shoots awesome, you know, video as well as take still photos. You want to acknowledge the fact that Teachers are sad now. They're mad. They're frustrated. They, they're lonely. Uh, they miss their kids. So what I'm trying to do with these courses is to say, look, you likely have exactly what you need because you have a smartphone. <laughs> you know, that works. Uh, if you happen to have a webcam, that works. Even the built-in webcam in your laptop, it's not the greatest, but it'll work. Um, I don't want people spending money needlessly. And I think that uh, just acknowledging that up front, which I do just before the introduction to the course, 
which is going to grow over time as I get feedback in a feedback loop from the teachers that are taking it. You know, I really could use this. And uh, that's where the Zoom bombing lesson came from when the very first time I mentioned it, um, I, I, look, what, Zoom bombing is not a thing. The only reason it's happening is because Zoom's default preferences are set up for groups that have higher trust levels than opening your Zoom up to the neighborhood and doing a drinking party. You know, I mean, it's, there are certain assumptions made with software, who's going to use it, how they're going to use it, what environment they're in. And they didn't make Zoom with teachers and students in mind. If I understand right, you're offering um, a few of these courses for free, especially the Zoom bomb one, right? Like that's accessible to anybody today, right? The whole course is free for the next 30 days. Okay, Um, I originally, when I first started thinking about it, you know, I'm a marketer, I'm I'm worried about what's going to be happening, that nobody's hiring actors right now. There's no production going on, nothing is going on. I'm not hurting, but at some point I will be. So I was thinking, well, how can I, how can I make money? And maybe, um, a week before I was finished, um, it kind of came to me that this is a moment to set aside the, um, the money part and just be of service. And when I made that decision, it felt so good. I, I put on the press release that we put out about this, uh, title was Hollywood actor rushes to create course for teachers to teach from home. And then the subhead was secretly hopes he has zero paying customers. You know, like I want everybody to pick this up for free so that, you know, I don't have anybody to buy it at the end of the 30 days, (laughs) but yes, it's all free. And there, there are some open, uh, lessons that you don't have to even register for, you know, if you're going to take the whole course, we want you to register. So we know where to send your updates and, and we can contact you and, and that sort of thing. But the course is completely free through May 6th and the lessons, there's a sample lesson on lighting and there's a sample lesson on zoom bombing. I made those lessons open so that anybody could access them. Now's probably, we're going to talk more about the course, but now's probably a good time to plug the website. If somebody just wants to jump in there right now, where do they head? So if you're a teacher, uh, where you want to go is teachyourcourseonline.com. And you'll be taken right to a page. We've shaved every speed bump down that we possibly can. You go to that page, you can register right there, and you're dropped right into the course. So if you're a teacher, teachyourcourseonline.com. If you're a teacher or if you're a teacher uh, fan of teachers, uh, you've got somebody in your family, friends, and you want to help me spread the word, I built this little side hustle to the whole thing called three, the numeral three, for teachers.com. And what I'm asking people to do is to take three minutes a day and just tweet and Facebook update the same thing you tweeted, uh, something wonderful and promotional and in adoration of teachers. Because for me, teachers were my lifeline. Uh, Teachers were my heroes from the moment I stepped into school as a kindergartner. Um, My teachers made a huge difference in my life. And I, I can't, I can't say enough about them. They're my heroes. And I want people to say that. If you are probably like most educators, you probably have a smartphone, whether it's Android or an iPhone or, or whatever. 
and you're ready to record a video, whether it's live or pre-record a video for your class, what can you do quickly without going out and buying anything to make that shot look better? So great question. And, uh, you know, there's two use cases that we discuss in the course. One is what you said, recording lessons. Uh, and the other is live video via a video conferencing platform like Zoom or Moodle or, or Google Classrooms or whatever. And the smartphone can be used for both. Um, and it's actually how I recorded most of my lessons for the voiceover courses and the on-camera courses until I moved to a DSLR. Um, one hint, and we show this in the lesson on smartphones, uh, we talk about built-in webcams, external webcams, smartphones, and DSLR cameras. And in the lesson about smartphones, we show you something that most people don't know, and that is autofocusing and auto-exposure. Uh, often when you set your your iPhone or your, your Android phone up and you have it pointing at you, if you move, you'll go out of focus or it won't follow you. And if you bring your hands up into frame or if you put a prop like a piece of paper into frame with a lot more white than the, the frame was composed with prior to that, it'll change all the colors. Mm -hmm. And a simple tap and hold on the screen of your phone as you're getting it set up will not only automatically focus and you you tap and hold on your face so that it focuses on your face, uh, it will not only automatically focus on you, but it will set and allow you to adjust for permanent setting the lighting so that your image looks just bright enough, not too dark, not too light. It makes all the difference in the world in how professional you look when you use your phone. So that's a quick tip and we show you exactly how to do it. I actually show you on my phone how I do it. I know you talk about lighting with, you know, and you can hop on Amazon and you can probably find a nice little lighting kit where you can set up a two or one or three light shot um, to improve your lighting. But let's just say somebody, again, doesn't want to spend money. Can you improve your lighting if you're recording with your phone? Can you take a lamp and point it at your face? Does that work? Sure. I would say take more than one lamp and recreate what is actual Hollywood three-point lighting with two or three table lamps. Uh, where you place them is really important, and in the lighting in the lighting lesson, we show you where lights should be placed up and at a forty five degree angle off to the right and off to the left. And if you really want to get cinematic and look like all the great Hollywood stars are, it you won't look like you're doing a television show. You'll just look professional. Uh, put a light behind you and above and off at a forty five degree angle. That's called a hair light. Mm -hmm. And I know you can't see me. I don't have any hair, but it still helps. It helps outline your head against the background that you have. And try to avoid green screens because green screens sound like a great idea, but the truth of the matter is they have to be lit really well to not have that awful halo around you. You want to see really bad uh, versions of green screens and, and forced, turn on your virtual background in Zoom oh, yeah. and be prepared to be disturbed with um audio that's kind of something that's tricky if you have a phone are there many options to improve the audio because I, I don't think people realize how big of a deal audio is in fact i could probably even make an argument that good audio is more important than good video well you'd be echoing the argument of youtube that says the number one reason people tune out of videos is not because of bad visuals but because of bad audio and the fact of the matter is that solving the audio problem is one of the easiest things you can do. Uh, if you have a spare 27 bucks, 
you can buy yourself uh, the lavalier mic that I use. Or if you have 40 bucks, you can buy the microphone that you're hearing me speak on right now. And this microphone doubles not only as a close play mic, which is what I'm using it now as if I was doing a radio show, because like you, that's what I did for 35 years of my life. Um, but it also works if it's set off in the distance by a feet or uh, a couple of feet or so. Um, and the combination of this particular microphone and any microphone like it and the distance that the viewer sees you from the screen matches up perfectly. The tough part is when you're using the built-in microphone on your computer or on your phone, or even worse, unfortunately, the built-in microphone that you would use on an external webcam, like a Logitech C922 or a, a Brio or something like that. Their microphones are horrible. I'm sorry, Logitech. I love you for your visuals, but your microphone, come on. So, but it's easy to plug in. A, a microphone with an adapter if you need it, and we show you which adapters you'll need for either your computer or your smartphone, you plug that in and you're going to sound awesome. And it's a really inexpensive upgrade and it makes all the difference in the world. And you might even have something around that you've been using. It's amazing how people have assets that they don't remember they have. You know, maybe they went on a vacation and they grabbed a little uh, clip lens to go on their phone or a little, little, tiny mini shotgun mic to stick in the in the plug in their phone and they forgot they have it but it makes all the difference in the world and the built-in mic on your phone is actually pretty good Mm -hmm. you know it's built to withstand wind noise and being outside and and it's built to make you sound good so it might be worth trying just on its own but we talk about how to make those decisions in the lesson on microphones Well, and you kind of led to my next question when you said people may not realize what they have. And there's probably a lot of parents slash teachers, educators out there who at some point bought themselves, as you were calling a DSLR camera, which what we mean is a Canon camera and there's mirrorless versions and DSLRs and so forth. But Mm -hmm. if you bought yourself a Canon camera to take better photographs of your family, they probably don't realize they have a pretty awesome video camera built inside there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Any camera that's been produced in the last five or 10 years. I mean, if you haven't, these are the the classic hold the camera up to your eye to look through the viewfinder kind of cameras. Mm-hmm. And anything that's been produced in the last decade or so is more than capable of doing great video as well as doing still photos. Now you said Canon, but other uh, manufacturers would include Nikon, Nikon and Sony yeah. and Panasonic. I happen to use a Panasonic Lumix G7 mm-hmm. and it's the camera. I discuss it in one of the lessons, actually two lessons, because it takes a long time to set up a, uh, a DSLR camera. Um, but yeah, those can yield really great results. As, as long as you remember, it's the content that matters. True. You know, I'm not trying to get somebody set up so that they can, uh, you know, do a starring role in a television show. But if you have a DSLR camera around the house and you know how to use it and you have a tripod and you can set that up with a couple of table lamps and a decent microphone, man, you can look fantastic. And the best part about that is when you look fantastic, it's totally unnoticed by your students. Mm -hmm. What you want is to look so good with what you have 
that nobody is thinking about how you look or how it's you like, sound. It's like having good service at a restaurant, right? Exactly. Like you want a waiter that you don't realize is taking great care of you. Absolutely. That's, that, that's a great way to describe it. And so we're not looking to turn teachers into, uh, you know, uh, uh, glamour stars. Um, what we're looking to do is to remove that speed bump from a student's acceptance of your content. So if you look great and you sound great, then they're not even going to notice the fact that you are in your laundry room or you're in your den or whatever. They're just noticing Mrs. Smith teaching algebra. And that's it. The last tip, um, and then we'll just direct everyone else to your website. But the last tip if you could give us is how important is that background? You were talking about it not being distracting. I mean, what should a teacher have behind them? So it depends on the subject they're teaching. Um, we talk about uh, having a bland, boring, nothing going on here kind of background. I mean, some people try to get creative and they're teaching their class in front of swaying palm trees and, you know, a city skyline. And that's just distracting. Or maybe they're in front of something real like a bookcase. And I can tell you that kids will sit there and turn their heads to the side and try and figure out which books Mrs. Smith is reading. <laughs> and those can send some interesting messages if some of the books on your shelf are not anything to do with your class, but maybe your political leanings or your, uh, your personal, uh, your personal joys. Um, the best thing to do is to be as uncreative about it as possible. And then know that in some cases, if you're teaching on a whiteboard, you can do that either physically with a real whiteboard, you can put up whiteboard paper, or you can actually you know, construct one if you want. Um, but you can also use a tablet or your smartphone as an electronic whiteboard. And we have a lesson that we're building right now for that. Um, I know you also have other um, great little tips on there video wise. And I'll just kind of l knock out a couple of these here. You've got about going live on Facebook and, and how you do that. You've got something on, um, I think, how you can make sure you record the lesson. Because I think a lot of times if you do go live, it's really important to record it for the kids that maybe weren't tuned in at that moment. So you want to make sure there's probably some some way to retain that. Right. And not only, not only for that reason, but also because um, one of the things that I want to help inspire teachers to do is to perhaps take this skill set that I'm sharing with them and, and teaching them and use it to teach things that bring them joy, that spark them joy. Like maybe you're a math teacher who loves magic or you're a chemistry teacher who loves cooking and you'd like to create your own online course and offer that to the world and you know, make your side hustle something that brings you joy. So we talk about that as well. Yeah. Well, uh, David Lawrence, again, we appreciate you sharing all this with us. The website is teachyourcourseonline.com, correct? Correct. And um, I can tell you the real deal. I've looked at your videos. Um, you definitely know how to, to light properly. Everything looks perfectly crisp. And I think anybody listening out of all of our guests, I, th I think you're going to be episode maybe 146 or so is uh, where we are. You have the mm -hmm. best sounding voice and best audio quality <laughs> voice we've ever had on this show. So we really appreciate that. Well, that's that. great. I'm glad. Do I get a certificate for that? Yeah, do you, I get, you should. Do I get a gold star or an A plus? What do I get? Yeah, you, you definitely deserve something. Hey, but let me do this too. Do you have a way if somebody wants to keep up with you online? Do you like to hang out on Instagram or Twitter? Can you give us your handle for that? On every single social network I've been able to get so far uh, is uh, D.H. Lawrence XVII because my full name is David H. Lawrence, the 17th. The 17th. 
Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever met anyone who was the 17th before. That is great. Yeah, nobody has. <laughs> <laughs> Again, David Lawrence, we appreciate it. And one more time, that website is teachyourcourseonline.com. Thank you, Nick. That's going to do it for this episode of Class Dismissed. If you want to send us an idea or comment, remember you can always email us at info at classdismissedpodcast.com or tweet us at classdismiss. We're here to support educators, but we need your support as well. So please subscribe to the show. And we'd also appreciate it if you could leave us a five-star review on iTunes. On behalf of all the good people working at School Status and Christina representing all those educators out there, thank you for listening. I'm Nick Ortigo, and I'll talk with you next week. Class dismissed.